0: everybody? This is Lisa Fields, the founder and president of the Jude 3 Project, and I'm so excited to be with y'all another week. I know we missed last week, or it might have been going on two weeks now, um, but it's just been crazy busy as we've been trying to get ready for Courageous Conversations, and I know we've been on the Church Year series. We have some awesome guests lined up to continue that series, but I decided to pause that series as we're going um, leading up to Courageous Conversations, because many of you that listen on the audio platform um, may have not heard um, Courageous Conversations from last year. It was on our YouTube channel and Facebook, but um, people kept saying, hey, uh, are you gonna release them on um, iTunes? And at first I was like, nah, but uh, we decided to go ahead And do that leading up to Courageous Conversations 2019. So you'll get to hear um, all six conversations from last year year leading up to this year. Um, And I'm really excited about this year. Make sure you register at courageouscombos.org. And uh, without further ado, here is the conversation on the authority of scripture. Hello, welcome to the Jew3 Project podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jew3 Project. Well, today's courageous conversation is the authority of scripture. Why is scripture authoritative? And we have four dynamic speakers on the panel today. They are accomplished scholars. The first one is Dr. Renita Wings who is the first woman, African-American woman, to get a PhD in Old Testament. She is also the co-pastor of the Ray of Hope Church in Nashville, Tennessee. The second is Luke Bobo. He is an accomplished scholar as well. He is a, a professor at Covenant Theological Seminary the third is Dr. Carl Ellis he is the professor at Reformed Theological Seminary and the last but not least is Dr. Judy Fentress Williams who is a professor of Old Testament at Virginia Theological Seminary also the associate pastor at Alfred Street Baptist Church in Alexandria Virginia well enjoy the show
1: I want to jump in with this question Thinking about the authority of Scripture, and I want to start with a question type that academics just love, and it's yes or no. So, so, but 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 trust me, you you're going to have a chance to unpack and nuance. But uh, to, to start us, I want us to think about this this notion of authority of Scripture as as a category of an attribute that we ascribe or do not ascribe to Scripture. Is that category legitimate? Do you use that phrase, authority of scripture? Scripture has authority. Or do you regard scripture as being authoritative? Now I know that has a lot of buts and howevers, but right now, yes or no, and then we'll unpack. Let's go around. Yes.
2: Sure.
3: (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh.
1: Yes. Okay, okay. Okay, so so we, we surveyed the land. That's helpful because I, I, I wanted to start there. I wanted to start there. And now I want us to, to import into those answers what you would deem as the essential contours of how you think about the authority of Scripture. So it doesn't have to be everything, but give us some, some touch points. So if you said yes, if you said sure, you said uh-huh, uh, what, what, what goes into that uh-huh? How should we think, how do you think about Scripture being authoritative? Start with you, Dr. Bobo.
4: Um. A couple of comments. First, um, we all need authority to flourish. Just imagine a, a culture without any sense of authority. Uh, we all live by some canon. You, you may not be, be able to articulate what that canon is. Some, we, we live by, let me put it this way, we live by some authority. So what I mean by the authority of Scripture is that it's binding for life, and practice, and morals, and um, it's instructive in that way.
1: Dr. Benjamin
2: Williams. What I, thank you for that. Um, what I mean by scripture's authority is that scripture is inviting, that scripture calls us into dialogue, calls us into relationship, calls us out of ourselves, but that that authority rests in that dynamic and dialogic relationship that scripture facilitates
3: between the faith community and God. By authority I, I mean that it still invites us to a conversation and it is still arrests our imagination and it is a, still a part of our tradition Mm -hmm. in that way but if we're talking about authority in terms of and if we're talking about authority in terms of is god-givenness its inspiration and its literalness and infallibility i know that's that's another set of conversation which deserves some we can go there and we will go go there there. but yes it it certainly still invites us and it's still a very much an important part of our tradition Mm
5: -hmm. uh yes i think the issue here is is God there? First of all, secondly, if He is there, has He spoken? Now, if one of those if we say no to either one of those, then what's the point of having this conversation anyway? We, we know every person for himself, right? But when I think about the authority of Scripture, number one, God is there. Number two, God has spoken. and if God has spoken, then it is you know incumbent upon us to regard that as authoritative. Now, it's true that scripture also invites us into the conversation. I think of uh passage out of Isaiah when God says, come, let us talk this over. Come, let us reason together. And God is always willing to enter into dialogue with us and encourage us to have dialogue with each other. So I say, uh, but all that's based on the fact that God has spoken and we can trust it. I uh, I read a uh, a statement once, uh, not too long ago, by put out by the United Church of Christ. I hope I'm not offending anybody here, but I thought it was kind of intriguing. It says, "The Bible is like GPS, a brilliant guide, all-knowing, and occasionally wrong." And I thought, good gracious, if it's occasionally wrong, then how if it's all-knowing, then how could it be occasionally wrong? And if it is occasionally wrong and all-knowing, then the wrong is is deliberate. Uh, but I I think that that gets us into some muddy waters. But I think the Bible is very clear. It claims to be the Word of God. I go along with it as such. And yet, I think a lot of people have confused a bad hermeneutic of the Bible with the Bible itself. In other words, we've had Eurocentric uh, uh, interpretations of the Bible, and and I, I have problems with those kind of things too. So I'm just saying that... I think the Bible as in and of itself is the word of God, and it's up to us then to, to obey, uh, uh, you know, to, to regard it as authority, and also to enter in the dialogue. And so I agree with everything. It is inviting and all the rest of that. And all theology, let's put it that way, all theology is application, true theology is application of what the Bible says.
1: Dr. Ellis, you, you brought up a, a, a lot here, and, I, and I'm going to pitch out another question. I want everybody to interact with it uh, because I think it contains vestiges of what everybody has said. So the, the question, here's one of the the conversations that this question presupposes, brings us perhaps this language of inspiration, Dr. Williams, you mentioned. Um, and, and Dr. Ellis, you brought out what, what some regard as the self-attesting nature of Scripture's own authority, so that certain passages speak to that, Second Timothy, 2 Peter 1, Um I want, I want us to parse through two phrases that tend to feature in this conversation um, and, and, and talk about what's at stake, if anything, and delineating between these two phrases. The Bible is the word of God. or the Bible contains, the word of God. Um, and, and I think in, in, in parsing those two, I think I think there's there are things at stake. But do you, this isn't just to you, but I want to start with you and I want other people to interact with it because you brought in the language of inspiration. What, what's at stake there? What's at stake there? And when we, when we talk about scripture, we're talking about Jesus' Bible, the Hebrew Bible. We're talking about New Testament and Old Testament. Interact with, with some of those things.
5: All right. The Bible is the word of God versus the Bible contains the word of God. I think that second statement is very problematic. Let's look at it. If the Bible contains the word of God, then how do we tell the difference between the word of God and the container? Is that, now, the, the thing that strikes me is that, look, I follow Jesus Christ. And he took the Bible very seriously. And he's, he's the son of God, for crying out loud. He took the Bible very seriously. He did this so the scripture would be fulfilled. I never heard him use that kind of, allude to the, those kind of arguments like the Bible contains the word of God. And if I say that the Bible, I'm just speaking for myself here. If I say that the Bible contains the word of God, then in a very real sense, I'm claiming to be wiser than Jesus. Does that make sense? Um, because you know now if the Bible is the Word of God, then then i I'm in line with at least what we read about you know, uh, because I follow Jesus Christ, I believe the Bible is the Word of God that's 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 my primary reason for believing it now I can get into all the technical stuff and all but but uh, i I would say that uh, this that the Bible contains the Word of God, at least from my perspective, is very problematic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not going to get all upset because somebody you know, sees it that way, but I'm just saying it's problematic. Thoughts on that? Anybody yeah. want to interact with that? If if uh, it was the Bible is the Word of God
4: or mm-hmm. the Bible contains the Word of God, I would have an issue. But since we have that conjunction, mm-hmm. I have no problem with... Those two statements, mm-hmm. uh, the Bible in its totality contains God inspired words. It, it is the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. It contains all of God's inspired words. So again, if, that, sense, yeah. if that conjunction was an R, mm-hmm. I, would, I would take issue with those two, two statements. But since, good point. since the and is there. I have no problem
1: with. Dr. Pinchas,
2: I think both statements are problematic. And what I mean by that is that there are limitations to language. What do we all mean when we say the Bible? We're talking about a text that comes from oral traditions that is gathered from various manuscripts. And we all know there is no original or text. So what do we actually mean when we say the Bible? We're talking about tradition. So that's where we're starting. And then what do we mean when we say the word of God, a word of God? So that There's this um, language we use to talk about scripture that we've inherited from various traditions. And we, we can say the same words, but we don't all mean the same thing. And that problem with language, the limitations in language, and the multiplicity of language is the foundation or the groundwork for this very problem. What's at stake in authority is... Can Scripture mean more than one thing?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I want.
3: Dr. I think Wayne, that anyway. um, today is Monday. It is not Sunday, and so on Sunday, I say it is the Word of God. <laughs> on Monday, I say, "Come, let's think about this." <laughs> It's, but it's, and it's important it, to unpack that. It, it's it's important, important to unpack, to unpack that. that. I mean, that we live in multiple spaces. Yes. I live in multiple spaces. I am not uh, just a confessional Christian. I'm also a critical thinker. Yes. And, and I think that that's what we're also trying to get at. And, 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 and those, those spaces, you know, interlap with one another. They're not always separate. I mean, so clearly. I'm, so on Sunday, I, I may, you know, as I'm getting ready to declare I have to say, and I say certain things, and, and rightly so. On Monday, in a thinking audience, then we are here to unpack some of those kinds of, of kinds of things. And we are saying that you cannot be here as an African-American, as an as a African-American woman who has not critiqued this text, has not said it is the word of God, but it is, there are problematic portions that deserve scrutiny critique and perhaps even denunciation Ooh. so that's that's what we're we're talking about I'm I can yeah absolute denunciation i we're, there's a there's a there's a part of the biblical world we are not trying to reconstruct mm-hmm. under no circumstances slavery mm-hmm. uh, is a it, uh, a women we are not trying to reconstruct that we are even denouncing uh, that but there are certainly portions of it and so it that is the that's the paradox of it. It has been able to liberate us. We have seen that it has the impulses to liberate us, but we also know that it has been used. And so we're, so there is the Bible. What is this intrinsic text? Is this text in and of itself irrespective of wherever it is in the world? It is the word of God. It, is that one question? Or there's the other question that texts are not authoritative. Interpretations are authoritative, ah, and it is oh. not a question about whether the Bible is authoritative. It is mm. is is her interpretation or his yeah. interpretation authoritative, and I think that that is what is really is at stake. Although we claim it is about the Bible, I think it is really is about yeah. certain interpretations yes. because we might all say, "Oh, of course, that's why yeah. I say, oh uh-huh, yeah, it's, it's interpreted. It is uh, uh, authoritative until we get to certain texts. Yes, and now." Yes. We're about to have a a, a wig snatching, A courageous yes, conversation. Sir, a correct, that's correct. A, a courageous, courageous conversation.
0: I yeah. like,
3: no. so, Dr. Ellis, it's, it's, I saw you. I want, I
1: want, Dr. Ellis, I want you to interact and respond to what's been said. And then Dr. Bob will bring you in. I, I, there's some a lot of themes that have been pulled out. I want to frame it I into some subsequent questions. But Dr. Ellis, I saw you. You, you oh, want to respond to? This. I was just,
5: yeah, yeah, I, yes. Uh, these are very, very uh, important matters to talk about, and we talk about the interpretation. And I, I'm not. Well, if the interpretation is authoritative, then what makes my interpretation better than somebody else's? It seems to me that uh, the, the Bible itself, okay, yes, yes, there were traditions involved and all that, but that's not, that doesn't block God from speaking to us, okay? And we talk about something like slavery, when I think of slavery, I think of American slavery, but that's, that's nowhere in the Bible, you know, the slavery, quote-unquote, in the Bible is not, is, it doesn't uh, hardly resemble American slavery. That's the first thing. And, of course, American slavery uh, was predicated on, on ontological racism, which the Bible absolutely cuts down at the very core. So anybody who argues that sla- the Bible supports slavery, in our sense of the word, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And that interpretation by some of our brothers in the dominant culture 've just they, their their interpretation has just been wrong okay um, the uh, so I, I would join my sister here in denouncing what I would call bad interpretations of scripture but I would not you know if you if you understand what the scripture actually says you know okay then then it, it's not uh, it's it's not the interpretation is one thing and and, and and the text is another I mean for example the Bible oh, have you ever Retweeted something, somebody sends a ridiculous tweet let's say you get a tweet from somebody who lives in in the, in, a, in a big white house uh in washington d c <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you found the tweet very disgusting, right? Have you ever re- retweeted it and say, Hey, check this out okay i've I've done that kind of thing just to show people how ridiculous it is but retweet doesn't mean endorsement, and the bible often. Reports things uh, that uh, God is saying. This is what happened. It's not to say that God endorses what happened. Does that does that make sense? Um, and I think that's one of the one of the one of the clearest evidences that the Bible is the word of God is the fact that. And I've read ancient texts from the Assyrians and some others, and and uh, the way they report the news, they, they leave out the bad stuff. They, they they leave out the ugly, but they only report the good. The Bible re- reports the good, the bad, and the ugly. Even Moses himself, if, if Moses was writing under his own ego or whatever, he would not have put that thing in there where he struck the rock and was told he can't enter the promised land.
3: I think we are proof, we are, anyway, we are yeah, proof yeah, positive that we yeah. have different interpretations, yeah. that we all have our, our advanced degrees in, in these texts, and we see texts very differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, not may not be very different, but sufficiently different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, on on issues of interpretation, on issues of authority. Yep,
1: and I'm gonna um, I'm yep. gonna come Let's back to some ahead. of these things, Doctor Bobo, you had okay. your hand raised. Just, I want to to
3: interact. Questions. Can we ask each other questions? Oh, no, no. no.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
5: yes,
3: yes,
4: yes.
5: Yeah, that's right. That's right. moderate. a yeah.
4: question for Doctor Weems is: c- Could it be that we have this 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 taste for certain passages because how these passages have been. Interpreted by fallen human beings is is that one reason why we might denounce a passage
3: Denounce? Uh, because we have a certain taste or, or distaste for certain passages is that what you mean um, d- slaves obey your uh, your your master's wives obey your husband stoning women to death I don't know if that's distaste uh, just a matter of distaste and i'm not I don't mean to trivialize your question but I, I'm just saying this is more than i'm these are some of these texts are, are are reprehensible and i say that as a christian who is going to heaven i'm saying that as a christian that there are some texts in that are highly problematic and that's where we began the conversation who decides which one is is right historically the ones who have the most guns have decided which texts are the most uh, are, are the right ones and uh, and yet the presence of this this audience today, the presence of the women on this text on this stage lets you know that there have always been voices on the margin who have challenged those dominant conversations, those dominant interpretations to say that there are other ways to interpret text. And while we may not have the power at the at the moment, or we have not had the power, we have struggled to res- get the power to say no. These are alternative ways, and we and if if we accepted these texts the way they are, we I would not be up here, and we probably, as African Americans in particular, people of color, brown, black and brown, and, and other peoples as well, would not have a place around this table. We have had to insist upon it. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yes. Um, You said earlier that Jesus took Scripture seriously. Yes. And when you said that, you then inferred that Jesus never questioned Scripture, Jesus never talked back to Scripture. I think Jesus engaged Scripture in dialogue because he took it seriously and modeled something that we should do. Questioning Scripture, pushing back on it, is not necessarily a sign of disrespect. It may be that, that it is so important that we need to engage it. When you're talking your about point. this interpretation of slavery, you are doing an interpretation and reading of the text. The text, of course. In it, so whenever we read it, yeah. we're interpreting it. Yeah. We can't get away from That's it. That's right. So then there's always a question of whose interpretation. Mm-hmm. That's always the question.
1: Let, let me let me frame this, and then you can respond okay. to that, or, or respond to the question let, that yeah, I'm about just,
5: to. Let, this me is, let me ask just one quick question. Sure. You say Jesus question the text
2: I said Jesus engaged the Engage, text but Jesus, Jesus said, he pushed questioned. back on the text
5: Okay where did he, I'm just I'm just for my uh, for my own sake where did Jesus push back on the text You've heard it said yeah. right Well he was pushing back on traditions that wasn't the text
2: No it was the text often he often used the text yeah.
5: No he says he says, you've heard it said you will love your okay. neighbor and hate your enemy right yes. uh, but I say love your enemy that's yeah. that, that's not in the bible hate yes. your enemy yes. it's yes. not there
2: Okay so Here's what I don't want to do.
5: He's he's pushing it back, back a, against ta- okay. false. Uh, yes. So now I'm going
2: to finish my sentence. Okay. All right. What I didn't say in my intro, what I didn't say in my introduction is that mm. I grew up in Christian school from kindergarten to twelfth grade. I am really good at doing the Bible verse thing back and forth, yeah. and I don't think that's a good use of our time. What okay. I do want to say is that we talk about interpretation when we're referring to interpretations we don't agree with. And what I want to say is that we all engage in interpreting a text. Scripture has multiple meanings and multiple positions on any given topic. So what do we mean if we say the Bible is clear?
1: Let me me frame this. Let me frame this. So center of gravity of this conversation is the authority of Scripture. So we're talking about. People in the pews or in this audience taking by what thus saith the Lord, I'm going to order my life based off of something that I am ascribing authority to or that itself attests to its own authority. We're, ta- we're, we're interrogating that question. The question that's been raised, I think it's an important one, about the perspicuity of scripture. Is it clear? Can it be interpreted? And with the interpretation, I want to put this out there, so we've, we've gone there. When we're engaging a text because we deem this text to be authoritative, what what are the signposts that we're that we're looking for for interpretation? And I want to throw: Are we looking for an authorial intent? Can that be discerned? And then, subsequent to that question, is there one meaning of any given passage? Is there a correct meaning of a? Passage. And I think it's important because you said people get up on Sunday morning and say, This is what this passage means. Now on Monday, go do likewise. Right. So no, authority, interpretation, can are we getting at authorial intent? What are the signposts of interpretation? Is there a one correct meaning and in interpretation of a given passage? Dr. Ellis, you had your hand raised. I'm gonna let you start. We'll go around.
5: All right. The Bible. Is like a multifaceted diamond. Okay, it 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 it's you, you can't reduce the Bible to one particular thing. I cannot come along and say that this is the only meaning of of the text. Uh, it's like when you hit a, a chord on a piano; you're playing multiple no- notes, but they but they harmonize. And so, if you look at all the facets of meaning of a particular text, they harmonize; they're not contradictory. You know, I would agree that the, that uh, the Bible, the text has. Has multiple meanings, but these multiple meanings are not contradictory. Now, I have a problem. I, I really, you know, and I agree with what, what you said that, um, that oftentimes the the interpretation, the, well, what's correct accepted as correct interpretation depends on how many guns you have. Okay, I get that. I, I get, I get that. Uh, but I, for one, that's the problem I have of taking that approach because then. What is true and what is false depends on how many guns the one has. And I don't want to stake my life on the basis of who's the most dominant. I'm I want I, I'm looking at something that's more transcendent than that. If God has spoken, then God has spoken. I don't care if you got a million guns and I got one. If it's true or it's false, it depends on what God says. Now, there are problems. There are difficulties in the text, of course. Uh, it's because of our limited understanding. It's our, It's our finite minds. We don't quite wrap our, our our minds around it as as, as we should uh, and we are sinful too and uh, but that does not take away from the text itself um, the you know so that that yes I, I agree yes I, I, I'm not one of these people who says that you know it you reduce the Bible to only one meaning that's what the Pharisees did they reduced it to only one thing. And you, and you kill the word. The letter kills, but the spirit makes alive. So, cool. yeah, certainly we should have these kind of discussions, and certainly we should uh, uh, apply uh, scripture according to uh, the. Con- it's, it's all co- contextual, anyway. You know, Dr. Ellis. So, can yeah. can authorial
1: intent be discerned? Uh, can I arrive at what the what an author intended?
5: In, in and you can approach text? it. I don't think you can ever do it perfectly. Yes. but 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 certainly you can That's seek an aim. that.
0: We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back.
3: So how can someone, if they want to get involved with Dude3 and support this amazing uh, event that you have and just everything that Dude3 does, how can they get involved?
0: Well, one of the major ways they can get involved is to donate. Mm-hmm. Um, the ju 3 Project not only reaches, ch- impacts churches, but we also have an HBCU tour where okay. we engage students on campuses around the topic of Christianity being the white man's religion, and we combat there that false narrative. Yeah. And one of the things we do is we raise support to help fund um, the HBCU tour so that the schools won't have to, to pay for that. So one of the ways that people can support us mm-hmm. in reaching students is to give at ju 3 Project projectcom or they can mail in their gift and there's the address at G3project.com to mail in your gift if you want to do it that way as well. Awesome. Awesome.
3: You know,
5: yeah, there are problems that I have with the text. I remember, uh, just, just can I just give one quick example? Quick anecdote. I, I had a problem with Abraham lying about his wife and I said there's something wrong with this text here because I'm angry at Abraham. God didn't get angry at Abraham until it dawned on me that I was not understanding the situation. It wasn't Abraham who was the, 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 the source of the problem. It was Pharaoh who wanted to, to, to hijack his chariot and take his wife. And Abraham was put in a situation where he, where he only had two choices. Either lose Sarah, Sarah to Pharaoh and be killed or lose Sarah to Pharaoh and be paid. He chose the lesser of the two evil. And besides, she was his sister. You know what I'm saying? So, so And then God gets angry at Pharaoh, almost kills him. You see, so that, I began to realize... Oh, my understanding of evil here was was very limited by a personal piety thing. But I realized that uh, there was a systemic element going on here too that I missed because I had a bad interpretation. And I finally let the scripture open my mind to Dr. Williams and Dr. Dr. Pentecost.
3: Let's admit that this is a this is a decidedly Protestant enterprise that we are involved sure. in. This this very question about authority, um, for centuries, readers, interpreters. We were never interested in the literal interpretation of, of scripture. This is a very uh, Protestant affair. It Most was allegory, yes, allegorical, mystical, any number of other, other ways, but they were laughed at a literal interpretation. And so the whole question of authoritative intent, what did the author mean? I mean, we have been taught to uh, prioritize the author, to think that we could even f- go back to the author. And if, you now again, that's assuming which author you're talking about. Are you talking about Moses or God? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're talking about, you know, the Q source of, or God. I mean, so I'm not, you know, we're not always sure what we mean. I mean, that has to be unpacked. Which author are we talking about? And, do, and if we get back to the author's original intent, have we got the real, true meaning? And then, therefore, that is the re- meaning that we should, therefore, follow. All of us, and I'm not trying to necessarily place us on, on the level of the bible although i'm willing to do that we we have all written books uh we have all read text we all tweet and retweet we understand the complexity of writing and we know that once it leaves you it takes on a life in and of itself irrespective of what you intended uh and we just have i just happen to be alive now to say no that's not what i meant Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, but we don't have that with a, with a number of our ancient texts. So we're, we're, this is a very Protestant preoccupation. I believe if we were at. A, uh, I assume if we were at a Catholic school, this would not even be raised. Only Protestants are fascinated with or preoccupied, and and therefore want to stake their claim on. We must believe it. Just and we not only must believe, but we must believe it this way. This text, which is both open and closed, which is both um, authoritative and fluid, and it is a living word. And it is, it is beyond our particular grasp. And I think that its meanings change as our cultures change because readers bring meanings to this text in and of itself. Uh, and, but at the same time, I believe that there is something, again, arresting about this text that keeps us coming back to it, keeps us struggling with it. But at the same time, we recognize that readers and communities have authority and they have the authorities to impose certain meanings on it. And other people have the right to either accept it or not. And that is certainly the 3.2, 3.0 era in which we live, that it is no longer just the elites, it's no longer just the scholars, but everybody has a right now to challenge it and to raise questions. Right. And we're either able to address those and create a community or we are not yeah.
1: able to. Let me finish the circle, yeah.
3: So, the question I would raise
2: is where does truth reside? Where does meaning reside? Does it reside in the text itself? Does it reside in the interpretive community? And what does truth look like in poetry? We talk about scripture as so though it's one genre, and the genre is truth. Well, truth isn't a genre. And so we've got poetry, we've got yeah. folk tales, Alabama. we've got wisdom literature, and they all use different kinds of language to convey whatever it is they want to convey. And the one gift. Well, one of the many gifts we have in scripture is that those different genres and different sources, because we believe the Bible comes from more than one source and more than one perspective over time, is that those voices are in conversation with each other. And we cannot really adjudicate this text by lifting up one verse without acknowledging there's one, three verses down that almost seemingly contradicts or speaks against what was said in this verse. And because we have a post-enlightenment mindset, when we see two different opinions, we are not comfortable sitting in the tension. And so what we want to do is squash it down or pick a side. When I think scripture is often inviting us, sit and be uncomfortable with Abraham lying about his wife for a yeah. minute. What meaning comes from that? What do we do with this leader who screwed up? That's right. And where is God's message for us in that narrative?
4: Amen. Dr. Bobo. Uh, What was the original question?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So my attempt was to tie together some things that I'd heard, but I was was asking about the conversation was really critiquing the presupposition of what I think is authorial intent, one meaning to a passage. How do we arrive at meaning? Because again, if the authority is the center of gravity, People are trying to say this is the meaning of this. Therefore, I can now subscribe to it, submit to it, etc. If, if the meaning is loose, then I think many people in our pews in our churches are. Well, if meaning is loose, then what 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 meaneth authority then, right? And what, what way is this authoritative? So I was asking about authority.
4: Yeah. So this this all presupposes that we believe in the um, the authority of Scripture that it's binding. If if God can say Uh, live by every word that proceedeth out of my mouth, I believe God equips us with tools to get at the original intent of a passage. And I would say if if we do our due diligence, uh, we we explore the genre, we explore uh, different words, how words were used in those different centuries, what the customs mean. Uh, what did uh, greetings mean? We, we want to transport ourselves back into that time through the hermeneutical process to understand what the original audience heard. Mm-hmm. And I believe with the aid of the Holy Spirit and smart people like the people on this panel, we can arrive at the original intent of a passage.
3: I mean, but we don't want to stop there. We don't want to stop in the past. We want also to ask the question: Absolutely. and what does it mean? Absolutely. And, and what, not only what does it mean, but what is the power of its meaning for us today? The, I think that the next hermeneutical step—it is—that it is, our historical criticism allows us to raise those questions, rightly so, even literary criticism, and all those questions. But I think that the responsible interpreter also takes the next step and says. Let's say even as a, as a preacher, if you will, what, what is the risk of preaching this text? Who, who gets to speak and who does not get to speak in this text? And when I preach it, I think that as, as I think my New Testament professor, professor said to me decades ago, you, you preach, you interpret, you interpret and you preach and then you sit down and say, God, I show hope I was right.
2: Yes, that's right.
3: I, I, yeah, I could very well have been wrong. Yeah. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit and all of that. But, but my point is that we do it knowing that we could have erred. Not only could we have erred in terms of interpretation. It's not, even, it's not just about interpretation, but it's also the audience. Texts are heard by audiences of, of power, of dynamics, of, of silencing of certain people and allowing other people... To, to speak or not speak, so it is is both of those tensions I think going on. So it is not irrespective of what Paul meant. I, he, as as Yvette Flunder says, Paul eh, Paul is my brother, not not my savior. So Paul is nice, but irrespective of what Paul <laughs> meant, what is what is the cost of this text in twenty eighteen with the dynamics of women, powerless people, people, people with different chan- sexuality. What is the what are the what's the cost of preaching this that way in 2018? Yeah. I think the responsible interpreter also has that. And what am I unleashing when I do this? Right. Right. And
2: and I also want to say that this concept of one sitting down with the best intentions and the aid of the Holy Spirit, coming to the meaning of the text without acknowledging how our context shapes how we hear and respond to that text is just not honest. We have always been shaped by our context. It affects the way we hear words. It has an impact on the characters we identify with. You cannot divorce yourself from your context. Absolutely. And I don't think the Holy Spirit is asking us to. I think what the Holy Spirit wants us to do is engage our context as we come to this text, engage those contexts... And it's the Holy Spirit that facilitates that conversation that reveals some truths.
1: Dr. Ellis, I'm going to let you respond. I want to True. try to frame at least okay. one or two more questions, okay. well, but I want wait. you to respond. Okay, to okay, okay.
5: I'm agreeing with you here, you know, and and number one, you know, we there are various types of literature in the Bible, poetry, allegory, uh, story, you know, all, all that. So I'm I'm agree. Propaganda. Have, we, have to, we have to interpret it accordingly. However, how, what, is, what was that? She okay. said propaganda. Oh, it's in the Bible. It's in the well, Bible. Well, all right. What do uh, you think about that? It re- well, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to get sidetracked on that. But it is true Lord, have mercy. that the meaning of the text is its application in our particular context. And that's, that's I've always gone, gone by that. And so, yes, and I'm agreeing that, yes, there is this. Thing that goes on. We need to understand the original context of what was going on, and then we can begin to see the same basic patterns in our own in our own time, and then, and then preach accordingly. And true, like you, I, I preach and I say, Lord, I, I hope I did I did justice to the text. But that's what I want to do. But but before we do all of that and all this all this other, we have to recognize that if God has spoken, then it's worth going through all the work. And trying to figure out what God is 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 communicating to us. But if God has not spoken, if we're looking at just a bunch of traditions and stuff, then then I for one, I'm just not a religiously inclined kind of guy, anyway. So if God has not spoken, then I would I would ha, I have nothing to do with any of this. We're not
3: saying God has not spoken. We're saying that God is still speaking. Well, well absolutely, that's, that's what we're yes. saying. Well, we're saying that I, I God agree. is still speaking yes. in these texts and in our communities absolutely, and, and with each is in, one of us. The Bible I think is in a... all those all that speaking is going on and we are constantly trying to adjudicate that and yeah. hear all of those voices. Because, so we're not saying that God has not spoken. The question to me because
5: is the whether Bible is a living, uh, but I think the question
3: yeah. to me is, is can this text be sacred and fallible? Ah, yeah.
5: Let's do a round can robin of yes or no. Can, can
3: the
2: text be sacred and
5: fallible? and fallible? Dr. Ellis, yes or no? If the text is sacred then it cannot be fallible Take
1: that, it's sacred then it can now unpack that because that, that's an important position
5: if the Bible is is erroneous in any in any area then it can lead me wrong and I cannot trust my life to something that can that, that can lead me down so an path. attribute
1: of sacredness which may not be the a presupposition of your statement for you is infallibility and inerrancy right. yeah if it's it, divine it, can't
5: it, it might a appear threat. to be fallible to me, you know, but that's just me. That's that. But that's on my own limited plane. But I have to understand that if if uh, if the Bible is the Word of God, and if I'm going to trust it as such, if it's going to mislead me, then it, it's it, it becomes very dangerous. Um, Agreements. It can yeah. be sacred and infallible.
3: Uh, yes, I I, I think that that's clear. That I believe it can be sacred, and it can also I mean, be infallible. Be, yeah, yeah, Sorry. And, and, Fall, fallible, yes. Fallible. I mean, I mean, you know, fallible needs to be unpacked. Sure. But I know you don't have that time right here, but yes, I believe that it is sacred, and yet we also have to protect ourselves against portions of it. Dr. Penisoy.
2: I believe the text is sacred and fallible. This is a collection of words on paper. Mm-hmm. And what we want to be careful of is that we don't end up worshiping the book not the God behind the book. There's
1: a question behind that that I want to frame, but the important statement: sacred and sacred, sacred and infallibility go together. Okay, so you, you unpack what, why you say
4: that. If if God is trustworthy, if He's the author of the Bible, then He is not don't going to contradict Himself and
1: purposely lead me to follow a falsehood. Mm-hmm. So, it seems so tied to Dr. of what you said, it seems like in your response, God's, God's own attribute of trustworthiness is tied to His nature's on the line, you know? on, in, in the Word. Yeah.
2: God is, I believe, God to be perfect and holy, but God works with imperfect and less than holy characters. True. Which means that as soon as we get involved in the project, as soon as we become a part of the enterprise, it becomes a little bit murky. That doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is not in it. That doesn't mean that God doesn't speak to us through it. But the reason we do the work of interpretation is because it is obviously not always crystal clear if it were, we would all be sitting here agreeing on every question. It's just, it doesn't present that way. That is not the way language works. And if God is conveying God's word through language, we are always in the work of interpreting.
1: Let me, let me frame this okay. one. We are, can, we're can, approaching, can, can I, yes, yes, but let me frame this question first. We're, let me frame this. We're approaching the 45-minute mark. We may run over into the, some Q&A time. I don't know. It's getting good. But so, 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 so listen here. So we, we've all probably heard a kind of statement like this, and I wanna, want us to interact with this statement and its relationship to the written word that we're, we're interrogating because interrogating, it speaks to the question of ongoing revelation. God told me that followed by da 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 it might be foolishness, it might be something substantive. I don't know. You all have heard. What is the relationship between whatever that person is claiming that God told them and the written word? Are those two on the same level of authority? If we're talking about ongoing revelation, ongoing, He's revealing himself, there's new interpretations, multiple meanings. Then somebody sits down in front of me and says, "God told me." Some foolish, or something substantive. I don't know. How am I helping them adjudicate that God-told word as it relates to Scripture? Anybody can can
5: answer. I, I have to judge what that person said up against the Word of God. So the Word if, of if, God is the, the that's standard. That's right. That's right. Anybody can say God told me. So I mean, I, I think of I think of a lot of people who have been led astray uh, who said God told me, but no, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, then I'm sorry, I, I don't believe it. And at the same time, just because I hold a very high view of Scripture does not mean that I worship it. I do not worship the Bible. I worship God. Okay? And if I worship the Bible, then I'm guilty of idolatry, just like anybody else. You see what I'm saying? The Bible is, the, I, 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 regard, I have a high view of it because it is the Word of God. So, yes, I, it, So now if the Bible is fallible and all that, then as I try to measure the person who says, God told me something, then... Uh, you know, then, I, you know, well, then what makes that uh, any more authoritative than the person who says uh, I, God told me? It's all a matter of human opinion. If it's down to human opinion, then the whole discussion is just kind of wiped out. I mean, it's just like we're on our own here, struggling. Uh, it's kind of like the deist or something like that. But, but uh, uh, it, it, the Bible itself, then the Bible itself, it it, it becomes incumbent upon us to study it to analyze it and all that and do all the all the work all the textual criticism by, by the way I'm also a critical thinker. Uh, we need to do we need to approach it critically and, and all that but at the same time we, we have to recognize what are our basic assumptions Has God spoken or, is he, or, or has he not spoken and that's the question
2: right when, when the question is an if then or an if this you know either or what it does is limit our options. So I might agree with the first part of what you're saying and have a different option on the other side. You might. We can have a high, we can both have a high view of Scripture. We can both believe that it is God's Word, but we may differ on how God's truth is mitigated to us. Mm -hmm. We may. Right? We may. and And on analogy, that speaks to the approach that we take to Scripture. That's right. And that's where we are kind of trying to parse this out, that sometimes people come to Scripture with this absolutist view. No, I'm not an absolutist. Oh, I, I'm not no. saying you. I said okay. sometimes people, right? So yeah, right. if God is speaking, well, yes, God is speaking, but do we always hear it clearly? Mm-hmm. Do we always that's a good, get
5: it? That, that's a legitimate question. So
2: so that's right. what I want to just... And that's
5: why we need to get together and,
2: if, and talk if, about I think
3: when certainly in whatever 1980s when I said I heard God call me to preach
0: Hmm.
3: and obviously there were communities who would say in this text that cannot possibly be the case I did not belong to that community I belonged to another community Hmm. where there were men who agreed with me so my point is and I think that's what we have been also trying to say that there that there's no one thing that these texts say, particularly on some thorny issues that we are struggling with. Um, so I said, and a number of us have said, God has called us in any number, and, and, and our identities pose a problem to these texts. What happens when these, our identities pose a problem? It's one thing to say, okay, God told me, to jump off of that. Okay, that, and we're talking also common sense. But we're talking about <laughs> where there are some really serious issues around who belongs and who doesn't belong who gets in who doesn't get in who is a. let me let before our time is up I I was offended by the question I should just put this out here the the question the the very first question no no when I read when I when I read the first question for this for this panel, I just said, I, do, I just don't know if I want to do this because the whole question of biblical authority has always been used for those of us who are from a certain tradition of, of interpretation as the red herring of whether we are orthodox or not. Do you really believe? So you cannot be a biblical scholar for 30 something years and a woman and African-American and biblical and art. Do you believe in the authority of the Bible? And that was always a litmus test on whether or not we were really orthodox or or were we really Christian. And that's usually the the question of the seminarian after the first three weeks and you've introduced uh, uh, criticism. And then they're sending you those little notes under the door, which I did myself. Did I not put a note under my professor's door and say, you're going to hell? Of course I did. And now I am the professor who gets the do- note under her door saying, I'm going to hell. And as my dad would say, and I'll meet you there. I'll meet you there. So, so the, the question, the question becomes, because it is a, it, and I don't know the other panels. I don't know, but here's what I think needs to be said here, is that we have been asked, do you believe in it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for me, I was immediately saying, oh, you can ask me, what is, you know, what is biblical authority and what is the importance of it and how does it apply? But when you begin to ask us personally, do we believe, that to me was a red red flag because it has been used for people like me who think like me as the litmus test of whether you really, you know, really believe in God and really are orthodox or really whatever, And um, and I know that I know now that's not what you were meaning, but we are the group that gets to be asked, do you believe it? It doesn't matter whether I believe it. I'm paid to teach about certain kinds of things, irrespective of where I whether whether I believe. it. And I think that that is what makes you a scholar. Hmm. And that's what I think it means to be a biblical scholar, is that we can handle these texts in any number of kind of ways and can see and attempt to see it from multiple perspectives. And also, obviously, our identity falls in this but the whole question of whether or not as a biblical scholar do I don't have to now I I should and have to on Sunday but right now it really doesn't matter whether I believe in it And, and the question of biblical authority is a theological question it really is not a biblical scholarship question mm-hmm. we just we just work with the text let mm-hmm. them theologians handle mm-hmm. the question of whether or not it's yes. it's the word yes. of god you yeah. know i mean in terms of our disciplines yes. when it comes to right. at harvard you know in terms of our disciplines there are certain questions we really don't answer yeah. but we have to answer because of the very field that we are in
1: right Dr. Pencils, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna let you go okay. real quick question to somebody I, i'm not seeing the the audience questions on here and so yeah. I'm gonna, Dr. Bobo, can you hand this to Lisa? We're going to continue yeah. the conversation until yeah. we get the audience questions in. But doctor Finchis Finchers-Williams, I'm going to let yeah. you go, and then Dr.
2: Ellis. Thanks. One of the problems with talking about truth as it pertains to authority is the assumption that somehow we know what truth is, that we would recognize it when we saw it. And it seems to me, because of our high respect for scripture and the God who works through and behind scripture, that whatever God's truth is, it's larger than anything that my head can contain, yeah. which means we are in yeah. tricky territory here when we want to decide who gets it and who doesn't. It may be that none of us get it all and that we're all striving to get pieces of something that literally is larger than we.
5: We see and I, glass would, and I
2: need a scripture yeah. that is yeah. bigger than me, That's right. that thinks in ways that I can't think, That's that right. perceives things that I cannot.
1: That's right. Will you all join me in thanking this panel?
0: Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Jew Three Project podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can tune into all our past episodes at www.jew3project.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher,